0: Oh, my dear, dear friends, I'm sorry. I've been too long away from you. Is it because I was lost, confused, and perhaps a little heartbroken after the last episode? Is it because I didn't hear an answer from you after last episode, even though I asked you to answer? and believed beyond belief that our voices could transcend the nature of podcasts and actually reach each other in conversation? Or is it simply because Kristen was a little busy and overwhelmed and had no time for me, and so I wasn't able to be there for you? There is no right answer for me. They are all bad, and so I am sorry. Can one be sorry, and yet without regret? Does a sorry without regret mean anything? Because life will happen. It will happen to me. It will happen to Kristen. It will happen to you. It will happen to those I tell you about in my silly little spooky stories. I am sorry to you but to no one else. Our relationship is simple. Our relationship is very simple. I tell you stories, and you listen to my stories. And in this, I have failed you over the last few weeks. No matter what the reason, I failed to tell you stories as often as I usually do. But I am not sorry for staking my claim in the world and demanding the things that I, your conflicted and impossible narrator, need. The things that I, your powerful and strange nocturnal friend, desire. I am not sorry for the things that I, your faithful and ever-ready storyteller, feel. I am simply sorry that I did not tell you as many stories as I want to. I would have, if I could. But here you are, loyal and forgiving. And here I am. Here we are. Thank you for joining me again. Ah! I have a story for you. I'm so excited to say that. I've missed this. I've missed you. And I've missed my own stories. How ridiculous and how self-centered and how very wonderful it is to say that. I missed the sound of my own voice. I was too busy listening to other voices. I will stop apologizing because I'm not really apologizing. I'm simply addressing. Never mind. Never mind any of that. I have a story just for you. There was once a woman who was deeply in love with a man. That's as complicated as the beginning of the story needs to be, because it's not complicated at all. She fell for him, and she fell hard and deeply. It didn't happen all at once, of course. There were stolen glances at dinner parties and social events, even though she was engaged to a man she didn't love, and he was engaged to a woman he didn't love. Or perhaps they had once loved their fiancés in their own way, but when these two people saw each other, they knew immediately that there was something between them that was powerful, unbreakable, and wholly magical. How could they have known How could they have known that such a powerful kind of love might take them by surprise like this? They were not looking for it. They did not anticipate it. They did not even know this kind of love existed in the world. At least she didn't know. Our hero. Our lady who was in love. And when he asked her to meet him, late at night in the middle of a nearby forest, what else could she say but yes? She went to him. The forest was quiet as a church, except for the occasional chirp of a cricket or cry of an owl. The sound of a nearby ravine passed through and it sounded as calm and as planned as the sound of a fountain in a wealthy person's garden. The place was almost too perfect. The moonlight streamed through the trees like a spotlight over their passionate and treacherous love, but the trees were there to shield them from its vigilant gaze. His words were so gentle, and his hands so adoring, that she felt that she could stay in this forest forever. But, alas, that couldn't be. She had obligations. It was expected that she should appear in public with her betrothed. She had a terrible duty to her family and to her social station. Her moonlight lover had the same pressure on him. Though he was nowhere near as wealthy as the woman he loved, he was an up-and-coming pillar of society. His fiancée would be socially devastated were he to leave her. Yet, they couldn't help but meet again, a month later, when the same moon hung in the sky above their quiet forest, even though they swore to each other, to themselves, and to the moonlight that they would not meet again. No, you see, their own hearts swore a much stronger oath to one another the fateful day they met. And so, every month when their moon hung in the same shape in the sky, they met each other, and they let their hearts continue to swear oaths to each other, both old and new, until finally, as both of their wedding days approached, they could no longer stand to deceive both of their intendeds, nor could they bear to deceive their own hearts. They agreed to meet for one last rendezvous, and this time they would run away together and never return. He would arrive with a sword, two horses, and the few things of worth that he had to his name. She would bring her finest jewels and heirlooms knowing that she could not bring a dowry or any money of her own without her family or fiancé discovering her plans. But the few fine things she could bring with her would be more than enough for them to live on until they found a new home somewhere. A home where they could love one another in any kind of light. Sun, moon, or street lamp. Our hero crept out of her family's home just before midnight, and made her way to her beloved forest. She was running late. She had to be sure that everyone in the household was asleep, and that no one would see her flight. And she waited longer than usual tonight, just to be sure. When she made it to their favorite spot, she was surprised to find that she was all alone, and her love was nowhere to be seen. Unusual since he had always been there waiting for her every time they met before this evening. Even more unusual, the forest was completely quiet this night. No crickets. No owls. It seemed as though all the creatures had abandoned this place. She removed the hood of her cloak and called out for her love. When she heard the footsteps behind her, She turned with a smile, but then froze in place as she saw a hooded figure approach her. Too late to hide the jewels she was wearing that glinted in the moonlight. Too late to throw her satchel of goods and run away, saving her own skin. Too late to cry out for help. A blade flashed before her eyes. And as the world began to grow dark and her eyes closed for one last time, they settled on the sight of a sword being held in the figure's hand. Her lover's sword. She had been betrayed. And in those moments when her life left her body, she knew the greatest pain she'd ever felt in her entire life. Not from the sword but from the knowledge that the man she fell for so deeply had never loved her. It was all for her riches, all for that which he would never be able to attain through marriage to her. So he took it through cunning and force. Though her body's eyes had closed then forever, her soul's eyes were wide open, so distressed, So devastated, so furious was she, that her spirit stood in that same forest clearing. The hooded figure was gone, and it was just her in the moonlight. She stayed with her body until she was found, but she dared not leave the forest for her own funeral. What would they say about her? She was running away. She was unfaithful, she was a disgrace. No, she would stay in her forest, the place she had known the greatest joy and also her greatest sorrow. And her rage rippled through that forest. Every tree felt it, and its leaves began to brown and wither and fall away. The grass dried up and the ground was parched. The few animals that lived there fled. And yet, in the years to come, young lovers would still visit this forest. Of course they would. Not only lovers, but young people who were playing games with one another. Some games were harmless, and some were cruel. Cruel games, though not as cruel as the one that had been played on her when she lost her life. But she hated all of them. She saw people meeting in the woods, and she both feared for them and hated them, for either their gullibility, which reminded her of her own, or the mischief they might have planned, which reminded her of the man who had betrayed her. And so she'd appear to them her most favorite, most cruel, most vengeful games she reserved for young, rakish men. If she saw a young man waiting in the woods, eagerly awaiting the arrival of a lover, she would emerge from the shadows, translucent in the moonlight. Her hair, once coiffed in an elaborate powdered masterpiece over her head, was now matted and stained with blood. "'branches and leaves seeming to sprout from it like great antlers. "'Her eyes were sunken and red from decades and decades of weeping, "'starkly contrasting the sickly green shade her skin had taken on. "'Her gown, now archaic and strange to this newer world, "'was splashed also with her own blood that still flowed from her throat.' and the gown was circled with vines and leaves as well. Her soul had become part of the forest. She was its lady now. And when she would see a man waiting for something, anything in the woods, she would find him and mercilessly come towards him, her feet floating above the ground her eyes accusing and her voice shrill and piercing as she rushed him. He might feel phantom hands clutching at his throat, scratching at his face. He might feel his head ache and his vision blur from the force of her screaming. He might feel his heart pound as he saw her hateful, pained face, green as the grass she fell on all those years ago, but always he would run screaming and weeping from those woods. Whether he would return home almost mad from terror or whether he would get lost in the dark secret depths of the forest and never be heard from again. She loved nothing better than to keep these rogues from hurting any girl like her ever again whether or not they ever intended to in the first place. Though Loved isn't the right word, for nothing delighted her anymore. She loved nothing. She only ached now. One day, how many years had it been now? Fifty? One hundred? Two hundred? Did it matter? She heard a rustling in the wood, and she followed it her bloodied feet gliding over the grass silently. It was a clear, warm night, though she couldn't feel it. The moonlight streamed in through the canopy of trees above her head, as it had so many long years ago, and she hated it. It only brought her fear, and to push that fear deep down and away, she sought to keep any violent, cruel hearts out of her woods as she had done for so long. She followed the sound to a clearing, one she hadn't visited in quite a long time. And she saw a figure standing there, waiting its back to her. She couldn't see much about the person, other than that he wore a loose shirt with no waistcoat, and trousers, and fine hosiery on his legs, just as the men of her time had. She hadn't seen someone dressed in this style since... since the night it happened. She stopped in her tracks. She'd planned to surprise him and scream like the banshee she was, throttle him, strike him, scratch him, chase him through the woods she knew better than anyone. Or at least that she thought she knew better than anyone but she stopped in her tracks because she saw blood dripping from his fingertips to the ground. And she saw vines and leaves coiled around his arms like slithering bracelets. She saw a tinge of green in his skin, and in his hair, which was messily tied back in a blood-stained ribbon, sprouted large, jagged branches with leaves and berries growing from them like a crown, like antlers. She exhaled, and the branches of the trees around them shook with the wind of it. He turned around slowly, and there he was, her love from so long ago. He had a great wound across his chest, not unlike the one at her throat. His skin was a shade of green, like hers, sickly and pale. You, she whispered, venom in her voice. You, he answered, spitting that venom right back to her. And they flew at each other, arms outstretched. She shrieked her banshee cry, and the few birds that remained in the woods flew away at the sound. He roared, and the ground vibrated with the sound of it. They tried to reach each other, to fight, to claw, to scratch, and they were successful. But nothing could happen to them any more. They were hurt beyond hurting now. They roared and shrieked and shrieked and roared until finally... She stopped. At his side, she noticed an empty sheath. She recognized it immediately as the one she'd seen at his side so many times before. But where was his sword? Where was the sword that had done this to her? Where is it? She snarled. He hissed right back at her. What do you care Why should you care what happened to me? What? She whispered. He ground his teeth. I waited for you. I thought you were late. I thought you were coming. You never came. You never found me. You never came. You never came. came. He wailed and moaned. He died alone, just like her. Someone killed him with his own sword, and he died thinking she never came to him. He had spent all these years tormenting those who ventured into these woods, too. His favorite game to play was with women who found their way to the forest. Whether they were there for a tryst with a lover, or to run away from someone in town. He saw them all as dishonest and disloyal, just as he thought his love was. To him, she had ripped the heart out of his chest, and that is how he saw all the women he encountered in this forest. And she realized, in this moment, that that's how she had seen every man who passed in the forest. As a rake, a thief of love, riches, and virtue. Looking at each other, they realized their error. Grave and awful it was to realize that they had assumed the worst in everyone they met after their death, because they had somehow believed the worst in each other. If only they had found each other sooner. Yet those years, those wasted, awful, painful years, managed to fade away in that moment. They did not cease to haunt those woods. All they knew how to do was haunt those woods. And each other. But, this time when lovers in the woods were frightened, it was not from the phantom attacking them, crying out in the night, raging at the world and at the notion of love and the reality of betrayal. They would be frightened at the sight of two spirits in the forest, taken over by its leaves and grasses and trees and vines, holding hands. Staring back at them with a kind of hesitant, unsure, reluctant kind of trust. Staring at them with eyes that seemed to say, Take care of your heart, and watch your step as you go. I am sorry that I was so long absent from you, my friends. It is not difficult for me to remember why I do this. Why I love doing this. Why I began this. It is, however, simply easy for us to forget who we are sometimes. Who we truly are. And so I, too, will continue my haunt. I will continue to haunt this podcast with my voice. Why not, after all? Good night, my friends. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to episode 74 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen, the writer, podcaster, composer. As she said earlier, I'm sorry that I've been so all over the place with my release schedule. Things will calm down and get back on track. Someday, I'm sure. I'll keep things brief this week. If you'd like to help out the show, the best way to do so is to leave a review for us on Stitcher, iTunes, or on our Facebook page. You can also check me out on my social media pages. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, and on the Facebook page and my YouTube channel, both called on a dark cold night. You can also support the show by listening on the free radio public app, where every listen goes towards me as your podcaster being paid for each listen. You can also, if you're interested, support the show on Patreon, where every monthly patron of any amount receives access to a link of the soundtrack of my show. You can find out more information on my page at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you only want to donate once and aren't interested in receiving any perks, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, you can check out our merch. We have On a Dark Cold Night t-shirts and hoodies. These are available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Thank you so much for listening in and for your patience again this summer. Slowly but surely, we're climbing up to 100 episodes. This is extremely awesome and extremely scary for me, but I guess scary is my thing, so there it is. Thank you, friends. Have a good night.